0: Good evening and a very, very warm welcome to our evening service here at Forestfold. It's good to see you all. Welcome. If you're watching online as well, I know a good number are, so good to have you with us virtually. And uh, for any visitors as well, it's really good to have you with us. I hope you find a warm welcome here. Uh, We've started a new series in 2 Corinthians uh, in the evening, so we're looking forward to our pastor, John Cowdy, uh, carrying on that series, the second Uh, one of that series. So looking forward to uh, digging into uh, that passage a bit later. I'm just going to read uh, just the first five verses of Psalm 103, uh, just to, uh, to warm up our hearts to get us thinking about what God does for us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let's ask for God's help this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come together like this. Lord, thank you for keeping us through another week. Lord, we praise you for that. Lord, you have sustained us. And I pray now as we come this evening, we've had many different experiences today. Lord, I pray that each one of us, Lord, would know your help as we come to worship you. Lord, if we've been here many, many times before, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us again. Lord, that you would change us and transform us by your word. And Lord, if we've never been here before, Lord, I pray that you would speak to them too. Lord, that they may know that you've met with them tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to people maybe that have never known you before, not personally. So Lord, do meet with us this evening, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen where well, we're going to stand and reflect on our first song now. Uh, it's, O Father, you are sovereign. It reminds us that God is the supreme uh, being, the supreme ruler over all things. O Father, you are sovereign. In all the world you made, your mighty word was spoken and light and life obeyed. Let's stand and reflect on these amazing words. Mm-hmm.
1: reading this evening is from 2 Corinthians 1 starting from verse 12. For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behave in the world of simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom but by the grace of God, and supremely so towards you. If we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand. I hope you will fully understand. Just as you did partially understand us. That on the day of the Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we boast of you. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first, so you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on the way to Macedonia, and to come back to you from Macedonia, and to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no, at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Sylvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no. In him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their way, find their yes in him. But that is why it is though with him that we utter our amen to, glory, to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. And who has also put his seal on us, and given us in his spirit, it in our hearts, as a guarantee. But I call God to witness against me, it was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. For I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. For if I cause you pain, who is there to make me glad But the one whom I have pained? For I wrote as I did, so that when I came, I might suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of you all. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart, and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such one. This punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him, for this is why I wrote that I may test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what have I forgiven? If I have forgiven anything it has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, we are not ignorant of his designs. When I came to Trias to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest, because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, whom in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And though he spreads the fragrance, fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To another, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as men as sincerity as commissioned by God. In the sight of God we speak in Christ. Amen. Lovely.
0: Thanks, Ed. There's a lot to take in there. Uh, We're looking forward to John explaining that for us uh, soon. Just to say that it is uh, potentially uh, Alan Pumphrey's last Sunday here. Uh, So we just wanted to say, Alan, that many of us know and love you. We love your uh, warm and kind heart and we'll very much miss you. And uh, we're very much praying that God will be with you uh, as you move off. So I just wanted to assure you of that. Well, let's come and let's uh, pray now. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us now. Lord, do open up our eyes to see more of you. Lord, help us to see uh, some of the wonder of what it is to pray and the beauty of prayer. Oh Lord, I pray that we would be incredibly grateful for this wonderful gift you've given us. Lord, I thank you for the food that we uh, get to look at, the the spiritual food, each Sunday. Lord, as we open up your word, as we look at what it's got to say to us, Lord, I thank you that we can be fed. And Lord, I pray that we would make the most of it. Lord, I pray that we would really digest it. Lord, that it would do us good. Lord, that we would not just be listeners of the word, but doers also. Lord, I pray that as individuals and as a church, Lord, that we would be growing as we hear your word, as we put it into action. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that clearly does what you say, that obeys you. Lord, give us hearts that love you so that we are only too willing to obey. Lord, we we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you that... Jesus willingly gave his own life. Lord, we hold on to even small things so tightly, and yet Jesus willingly gave his life for us, out of love for us. And Lord, I pray that that would be great motivation to live for you. Great motivation to obey. And Lord, we thank you that when we obey, even though there is a cost, Lord, you bless us far more than we lose, far more than we can ever imagine. Oh Lord, I pray that we would love you and serve you. Lord, we thank you that things are, uh, for many people, getting easier. Lord, I thank you for uh, the day tomorrow, some of the restrictions easing. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, it feels for many of us like it's been a long time coming. Lord, we we can't wait till uh, life is properly normal or as normal as it can be. Uh, so, Lord, we thank you that it gives us more opportunities to do things. Lord, we praise you for that. But, Lord, we also know that, that this world is still in turmoil. Uh, Lord, that other countries are certainly not coming out of it. Some countries are very much suffering in it. And then there's wars and rumours of wars. And uh, there's personal loss. There's people that we know or love. Who suffer, or worse? And Lord, we just see this world in turmoil around us. And Lord, we we pray for your comfort for people. Lord, we pray that it may be a wonderful time of people coming to you, as they seek someone who is in control. And Lord, I pray that you would heal our land. Lord, I pray that you would work. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom as we live in your world. And Lord, I also pray that you'd help us to look forward to your world, your glorious new creation when everything will be made new and there will be no bad news, as it were, on our TV screens or our phones or whatever we're looking at. Lord, I pray that we would long for that time. Lord, as we're thinking of uh, new opportunities, Lord, we thank you so much for uh, First Steps restarting again this week on Thursday. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I really pray for that team. Lord, I thank you for uh, the incredibly valuable work they do. Lord, I thank you for uh, the prayer and the thought and the effort that they've put in already. And I pray that you would richly bless them in that. Lord, I do pray that the weather would be good. Lord, you know how important that is for the event. So, Lord, we do pray for that. Lord, we we think of times in the past where uh, we've needed good weather and we've had it sunny here and yet just up the road it's been raining. And, Lord, you are the God who does control all things. Lord, you are sovereign. And so, Lord, we pray that it would be good weather. Lord, do bless them in that way. And, Lord, I also pray, Lord, that you'd be with the leaders as uh, many of the mums might have very big questions, might be very upset at the moment, with things that have been going on, Lord, I pray that you would give those First Step leaders great wisdom, great compassion. Lord, I pray that you would use them. And Lord, when they're speaking to people, Lord, I pray that they would be open, willing to listen. Lord, I pray that you would change hearts. Lord, I pray that that would be a real blessing on Thursday. Thank you for that. Lord, we thank you so much for Alan Pumphrey. Lord, we thank you for the blessing that he's been to many of us here. Lord, we thank you for his warmth and his kindness and his love for you. And Lord, I do really pray, Lord, that you would bless him uh, as he seeks to move away either this week or at least in the near future. Lord, do very much bless him, be with him. Lord, thank you that you are a global God and we cannot run away from you no matter how much we try. Lord, we praise you that you are everywhere. So do be with him. Lord, I pray that you'd be with John Martin as well. Lord, as he goes into Millwood, well, goes in virtually to Millwood this week. Lord, I pray that you'd help him. Lord, it's a wonderful opportunity to speak to those older people. uh, But via Zoom, it is tough. Lord, do help him in that slightly strange situation. And I pray that you'd bless those old people through your word, through John. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with us tonight. Lord, we've prayed for your help already. We pray again for that. Lord, do help John as he seeks to explain this passage. Lord, there's a relatively long passage. There's a lot in there. But I thank you for how you've helped John in his planning. I thank you that there's some really good things in there for us. And I pray that you'd help us to listen, to take it in, and do change us, I pray. So, Lord, do help us uh, for the rest of this service, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before John uh, does come and speak, we're going to stand and reflect on another song, Blessed Be the Tie that Binds. Uh, As Christians, we go through many joys together, but also pains together. Uh, But this this hymn really finishes with a shout of hope. Uh, I think this is the last verse. From sorrow, toil and pain, and sin we shall be free, and perfect love and friendship reign through all eternity. Let's stand and reflect.
2: we're in 2 Corinthians again uh, this evening. If you do have a Bible, do keep it open on the passage that we read. You may have felt it was quite a a hard passage to take it all in in one go and to realise what is happening. Well, I hope by the end of our time uh, this evening you'll feel more clued in and see the warmth and the wisdom of God's Word and maybe if you read it afterwards again uh, that uh, things will be clearer for you. Uh, well, we, we had a strange experience um, a couple of weeks ago driving back from seeing our daughter Gemma and our fiancée in the Reading area. Um, it was a wet and windy night. Uh, we turned off of the M23 just south of Crawley to go towards the Worth Abbey area. Um, as we carried along the road, we saw further up the road hazard lights on shining. And then we saw some cars in front of us swerve out into more the centre of the road. Well, not long after that, as we saw them them move, Hannah tells me there's a tree dad, there's a tree dad. And it wasn't uh, laying on the ground, as you might think of a tree, it was about eight or ten feet up over the road, branches dangling down. Well, we followed the cars in front of us, wisely or not, and uh, went over a gap in between the branches under this tree and we carried on through up the hill. I think it would have just happened because there wasn't much traffic around and I imagine that the person up the hill with hazard lights was dialing the emergency services to get them on the case and I'm fairly sure that soon after that, on your Google Maps, if you have them, you would have had red areas building up either side of this road. There was a blockage in the road and cars wouldn't have been able to get through very quickly and then when the police were on the case, there would have been some road closed signs and you wouldn't have been able to go down there at all. And then they would have got the contractors in, there would have been some cutting up of logs, hours or the next day, things would start to flow and things would ease up again. Well, as we look at this next part of the letter of 2 Corinthians, um, I've started to see it really as roadblocks being cleared hence the illustration and hence the picture if you can see it there, which isn't our car, we haven't got a foreign number plate, but something similar was occurring except at night. Uh, The Corinthians have have responded to a visit by Paul and a painful letter by Paul. We started to hear about that last week. They do seem to be back with the Gospel, uh, but there are some things which are still obstacles or potential obstacles, things which really get in the way of there being progress. And what we look at in this section helps to clear up some of those roadblocks for them. And this evening we're not just doing a history exercise, You know, let's think back to then. This is God's word, God's breathed word given by his spirit And as I thought about the roadblocks that there were at Corinth, I can see their equivalents, often quite significant equivalents, will help us to think through today for us in our lives, in our church situations. It's quite a a big section. I did wonder, should I do it all in one go? But it it does hang together. Uh, You've got, if you like, bookends. So we start off with verse 12 and the theme of verse 12 going on to sincerity and and Paul's conscience is the same in which the chapter 2 ends where you also have comments there about Paul and his conduct, his sincerity and being in the sight of God. Often the Bible does that, they're sort of bookends around a, a section. There's also quite a lot in there about Paul's comings and goings and his travel plan. So it does sort of hang together. So I wanted to take it in one go this evening. It means we can't spend time examining every detail, but I I hope you'll get the gist, and not just to get the gist, but it'll help you think about, about some things that are relevant to you as well in following Jesus. It has taken me a while to understand. I've been praying to the Lord during this week to understand it rightly. And, uh, but I feel thankful to where, where I've got to. I, I hope it's a clear way. I hope it's helpful to you this evening. Well, there's two, there's two roadblocks that are being dealt with here in this section. Uh, we're going to spend a lot longer on the first and then we'll see a second one, which is a shorter one within this section and this is the first roadblock that I think is being dealt with the, their attitude to the gospel apostle that's Paul their attitude to the gospel the good news about Jesus the apostle, the sent one who brought the message their attitude to the gospel apostle now our attitude uh, to a teacher will very much affect how we learn won't it? Their attitude to Paul would very much affect how enthusiastic they were with about Paul's gospel and message and teaching. It would be difficult to make much progress while they still harboured unfair thoughts about Paul. It's likely to hamper them in going on the gospel. It's a tree across the road. It's going to make life difficult. I did a little bit of psychology um, when I was studying away. Maybe you've done psychology and and the communication process and I quite like this illustration that it's to do with what people say to each other but there's also noise. There's also things which affect it, not the words that are say, but the environment. It's very relevant to us. We've been having outside uh, meals out in the back here and we're on a busy bend. And if we're talking with people at rush hour, well, we, we know about noise and it's very difficult to, to have a good, clear conversation because of the background noise. Well, a, a bad attitude to, to, to Paul, the Gospel teacher, would be noise. It would stop you really hearing what he is saying. It would stop them loving and living the truth that he was passing on. Now you can see this is true. Um, Think uh, maybe of somebody who perhaps gives a message or or preaches a sermon. and uh, You would have had this experience. I think we can all relate to it. And um, you don't really like them. In fact, you feel niggled by them. You feel niggled perhaps about the style or what they've said or what they've done. And I would say nine-tenths of the time, if not more, you won't benefit from what they say. It may be a, a good, good teach of God's Word, it may be clear and helpful, thoughtful and applied, but if there's this noise, if there is this niggle, then you probably come in niggled and you go out niggled. Sometimes there's good reasons for us to be a bit niggled about somebody's conduct or what they do. But sometimes, and very often, it can be unfair and it's to our detriment because we miss lots of blessing. And if our attitude to the teacher was better, then we get a lot more out of the experience of hearing from God's Word. Well, so as a result of, the Apostle Paul being badmouthed and slandered, and we heard about that last week. The, the criticism there was of people looking down on this inferior Apostle Paul. That had happened and it hadn't totally gone away from these Corinthian believers. So here Paul feels the need to to defend himself, to make some things clear, to he actually says to, to boast, that is to to glory and what God has done in him and through him to, to clear up the problems so that the, the traffic can start flowing again. So, before we unpack that in some of these verses, just think a bit more about how it's relevant to us, just so that you can really plug in as we go through. Well, one level, it's possible, I suppose, that some people here have a bad attitude to Paul. Maybe you think, well, I like what Jesus teaches. Uh, But Paul, well, he's a bit complicated and I'm not sure he's very reliable on the gender issues. And and you've got all that sort of noise which stops you really benefiting from God's sent Apostle Paul. Well, that would be good to clear up because you're missing out so much if you don't respect God's Apostle Paul. So that may be one way. But I think it has much wider implications as well. It will help us in terms of our attitude to um, gospel communicators, to those who teach the gospel. It could be a Sunday school teacher, it uh, could be somebody on a CU committee who has influence, could be a, a camp leader, uh, it could be just somebody who's known in the staff room as a Christian, somebody who pass on the message of Jesus. Uh, It could be somebody who speaks regularly at the front here and this will make us think of our need to be wary about a a bad attitude to gospel communicators. But it will also make us think if we are a gospel communicator, if we are that person in the staff room, the Sunday school teacher, the camp leader, uh, the person in leadership, the person on the CU committee, um, it will help us think, well, well what about me? You know, what what what's good about how I conduct myself? What will help people to receive the gospel? What do I need to avoid? So there's some good things to look out for in gospel teachers. There's good things to be if we are a gospel influence on others. So let's let's get into this now. There's four things under this to notice about Paul. There's four things to notice about Paul, which will help us in terms of our attitude to others and how we are as gospel influences. Here's the first. We should notice Paul's integrity, unlike many. Paul's integrity, unlike many. Now here we, we, we are in the bookends, really. So, chapter 1 and verse 12, For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so toward you. And the other book ends at the end of chapter 2, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ now they look down on Paul some of the people around look down on Paul but he could say he was sincere and he could say that he acted in good conscience now there's something very valuable here I want you to to realise that there's something very valuable here sincerity Genuineness. The word sincerity here really means tested by sunlight. You know, seeing the adverts for, for washing where the, 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 the clothes are held up and seen against the sunlight for their whiteness and how good a job has been done. Sincerity, the sun showing whether something is true and genuine and clean. Sincerity, straightforwardness, not twisting not lying and the apostle Paul was a man of sincerity and he was a man who had a higher recourse he was concerned about his conscience and what was right in the sight of God he was not he was not a people pleaser not in a dominating way but he was being dominated by what was right before God And if those who influence you are genuine and if they realise they need to answer to God for their actions and their words, then that's a very good start. That's a very good start. And if you are looking to influence others and you are genuine, and you realise you need to answer to God above all, then that's a very good start. That's a very good start. There's something very valuable here. You may not have thought, God, good conscience, sincerity, you know, it might seem as though like, well, let's get on to some serious stuff. This is very significant. This is very significant. It's very valuable. I'm talking to somebody this week, and they'd had some difficult decisions uh, to make, Uh, Their decisions hadn't pleased everyone, but they were able to say that they were settled with the decisions and that they had a good conscience about them. That's good. Have somebody who's looking to see what does the Lord think. What does the Lord think? Integrity, sincerity, good conscience. That's the first thing that Paul can say in his defence. But then a a second thing which would affect their attitude or should do is this. Paul's faithfulness uh, despite plans. Paul's faithfulness despite travel plans. Uh, One of the big niggles they had about Paul seems to be his travel plans. Uh, We know something about changing plans, don't we? We've had a year of endlessly changing plans, sometimes at short notice. Well, Paul had changed his plans. He was going to come to Corinth again, but then he decided not to. You have it in verses 15 and 16 of chapter 1. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. So, this didn't happen. And when it didn't happen, he was accused of uh, not caring, of being too faced, of saying one thing and of meaning another. Verse 17, Was I vacillating? Was I treating it lightly? Was I saying two things when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes and no, no at the same time? Well, one of my early memories is of watching uh, one of these cowboy westerns. I don't know if you ever see these cowboy westerns or saw them. And uh, there was a red Indian chief and he's talking around the campfire and he says, white man speak with forked tongue. White man speak with forked tongue. In other words, his experience of uh, the white settlers, invaders, is that they say one thing to one person and a different thing to another, or they say one thing and they do another. And uh, this is how Paul has been seen, really. You can't trust him. He's not bothered, he's not committed to you. He doesn't care about you because he didn't show up. And Paul is very strong in return in defending himself. Faithfulness is very important to Paul. This is why. Faithfulness is God's character. This comes out in verses 18 to 20, there's lots here, we can't stop here. I'm going to read them to you because I I want you to to see the the wonder of these verses. Uh, But we can't stop at it. But 18, As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Sylvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes, for all the promises of God find their yes in him that is why through him we utter our amen to God for his glory a, a gospel worker uh, shouldn't be uncommitted and careless shouldn't lightly say one thing uh, with the intention of Doing another, it runs so against God's faithfulness. God is faithful; He is committed in His love. We can trust God; we can trust His promises. Christ is the pinnacle of God's faithfulness. All of God's promises are fulfilled in Him. They are yes and yes. They are our men in Christ. God is faithful. And so, gospel teachers and gospel influencers need to be faithful too. And we want gospel communicators, gospel leaders who are faithful, who mean what they say, who are committed in their love, who are reliable and constant. And if we have that, we can be thankful. And if we are an um, influence on others in the young people's group or in the school or the staff room or in the church. If we're an influence then we, we, we want to be faithful too. We don't want to just rattle off promises which we don't keep. We don't want to just say, well I'll pray for you, I'll message you, I'll visit you, I'll come, I'll do this and to take it lightly. No, God is faithful and if God is faithful then we as gospel workers want to be faithful. Well, why then didn't Paul come to Corinth? It wasn't a question of faithfulness or lack of love or lack of commitment. Well, when we go on to the, the next point under this, geez, this. Hasn't gone yet. Can you do it for Rachel? So I don't want to give them too much in one go. There we go. Paul's wise love in not coming he tells us in verse 23 why he didn't come but I call to witness I call God to witness again a man who has a higher authority I call God to witness against me it was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth it was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth Verse 24, again we could stop there but we can't stop there. Not that we lord it over your faith but we work with you for your joy for you stand firm in your faith. For I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. Verse 1 of chapter 2. Now often face-to-face is better, generally face-to-face is better but there are certain circumstances where that's not the case, uh, where it's better to write and here Paul realises it's a situation that requires it the other way round. He'd already made one painful visit and he thought that it was too much for them as a group of Christians for him to come again with another painful visit with all the trouble and trauma that that would stir up so instead he decided to write rather than to visit it wasn't easy to write it was out of love it was for their best it was a better route than visiting again you see Something of that in verse four. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart, and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love I have for you. I don't know about you, but I I find lots of situations difficult to handle. I find it takes up a lot of my thoughts trying to handle situations and perhaps you find it does for you as well. And we look on situations too, don't we? And sometimes I've assumed that somebody has handled a situation badly or perhaps I've attributed selfish motives to the way in which they dealt with a situation. And then as I've heard more about the whole situation... I've realised, oh, that was done out of wise love. I was assistant here for uh, ten ten years and then you work along somebody else, uh, 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 an older more senior minister and and you have your first view of how situations should be and then so often you realise actually it was dealt that way because of wise love. Wise love. Well, pray for that for those who have an influence around you, for those you look up to, those who are teachers, whether it be here or elsewhere. Respect those who do seek to be wise and loving. Be thankful for them. And in your influence and in your situation, pray for wise love. In those delicate issues, do I text or do I speak, do I pick up on this or do I let it go when should I, what should the timing be, how should I approach it what should my attitude be, pray for wise love the Apostle Paul was demonstrating wise love in not coming and he deserved respect from the Corinthians because of his love for them And the last thing under this one which would help them respect Paul is is this. It comes up in the last few verses, we're in verses 12 to 17 of chapter 2 and we can put it like this. Paul's fragrance in spreading Christ. Paul's fragrance in spreading Christ. Well there's a lot in verses 12 to 17 of chapter 2 again it, we could, could park ourselves there if we were doing it differently and spend uh, uh, one message on those verses be good to dig into them we're starting to creep in a little bit to next time's next week's subject they're starting to go on to um, uh, the ministry that Paul was involved with I mean, we may even hook back into these verses a little bit next week But what I want you to notice about it, especially at this point, is that Paul is about Christ. Paul is about Christ. If you've got a Bible open, cast your your eyes down from 12 to 17 and look to spot um, where Christ is mentioned. You see in verse 12, he preaches the gospel of Christ. You see in verse 14 he talks about a triumphant procession which he's being led on. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us. In verse 17 he's commissioned by God in the sight of God and we speak in Christ. But especially verses 14 and 15. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who have been saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. So Paul smelt wherever he went. He had a fragrance about him. We're not talking about BO. We're not talking about deodorant spray. We're talking about a fragrance of Christ. You see the adverts, don't you, where uh, somebody walks past somebody and they don't notice them and then in the advert they notice the fragrance, it's links or it's some perfume and they look round and the person has left an a sm- a, a aroma, a fragrance behind them. Well, Paul left a fragrance wherever he went and it was the fragrance of Christ. Some loved it, some hated it. But it's what you would expect from a gospel apostle, isn't it? that there should be a smell of Christ about their words and their conduct and their message. And Paul could say that was true of him. Um, if, if your gospel teachers have a, a fragrance of Christ about them, in terms of what they teach and the way they conduct themselves, that's good. That's something to be thankful for. And if you are a, a gospel influencer, a leader, a teacher, an example, then seek to have a smell of Jesus about you, if I can put it like that. It won't always be popular, but, but it's right that your words and your conduct, your attitude, the way you present, should point to Christ. You are a Christian after all. There should be a, a Christ about you. So there were these four things uh, which were helped to sort of clear up this, ro- this harmful roadblock of uh, a bad attitude to the gospel apostle. I don't know if they took stock. Um, that's quite a hefty list of points there. But perhaps as a result of hearing these things, if you like, the the, the tree trunk starts to get cut up and uh, dismantled and uh, things start to flow again, there's improvement, things can happen again. And as well as that for Corinth, maybe God has been speaking uh, to us through them this evening that there are certain attitudes which are actually blocking our progress in the Christian faith and hearing these things starts to dismantle them or or maybe we are blocking others' progress by our conduct and we can reflect on these things and go forward differently. So that was the first roadblock. I said we'd spend most of our time on that. But there there was a second one which we're going to dip into briefly. It's tucked in verses uh, 5 to 11 in chapter 2 and it's this their attitude to the sorry troublemaker their attitude to the sorry troublemaker so there's another thing that needs clear, clearing up that could be a real road blockage to progress uh, Paul knew it was something that Satan could use to, to to hinder the progress of the church verse 11 tells us that in chapter 2 it says at the end of this section so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. One of the Puritan classics, precious remedies against Satan's devices, based on that verse, Satan has devices that he's looking to stir things up, harm things, and that includes this area that Paul's just going to come onto, or we're coming onto. There was someone who caused a lot of pain in the church at Corinth, and as a result, the, uh, that person required church discipline. Uh, and you might balk at the idea of of church discipline. It doesn't have to be called church discipline. You could call it church restoration. Um, church restoration. But that idea of church discipline, church restoration, whatever you call it, although it doesn't fit neatly with our sort of hands-off, give-space culture, it is in the New Testament. Uh, When somebody persists in doing something which uh, is majorly wrong, um, uh, dishonouring God, uh, a disgrace to the Gospel, and uh, they won't rectify that pattern of behaviour, uh, then the church has to take action according to the New Testament. It won't be done thoughtlessly, it won't be done rashly. That's what verse 6 refers to here. For such a one, uh, this punishment by the majority is... Enough, so this person who'd caused pain they they had to take some action to show their disapproval to to correct this brother so that he could be confronted with how he was going about things in, in practice what what that is, uh, might involve is for the church to to express its disapproval or for the church to say well it's not appropriate for you to take communion with us now to act like a brother or sister because your whole way of life is totally against Christ and and you can't join us in that way and we want you to reflect on what you have done so that you might be brought to repentance and be restored now, it's not totally clear what this particular person had done. Uh, some think it's the person referred to in the previous letter, 1 Corinthians 5. You can look it up there if you want to. Uh, and there, there was a, somebody who was behaving in a, a scandalous, immoral way. Um, he was sleeping with his stepmother and church discipline was certainly called for there. So, it is... Quite possible it's referring back to 1 Corinthians 5. Another possibility is that it's the ringleader of the troublemakers, the ringleader amongst the rebels who have been pulling people away from Paul and the gospel have been sucked away by these super apostles we learnt about last week. Well, the aim of, 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 of discipline, of, of restoration, is to lovingly restore And wonderfully that had happened for this man. He was indeed deeply sorry. And it was time for him to be forgiven and welcomed back. Welcomed back, verse 7. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. There was a danger of being too hard for too long uh, against this gentleman. There was a danger that there was a lack of forgiveness, of bitterness in the others because of what this man had done even though he'd come to his senses and was now sorry and repentant. It was time to welcome him back and, and move on. That is the gospel My experience is that that many perhaps most of those who've grieved others by their their waywardness uh, and come to their senses then experience a deep pain and and they need to feel the open arms and love of the church in a healing way to go forward and to not do so there at Corinth, risk real problems for the community, for the person themselves, feeling so excessively alienated. Still, even though they were uh, repentant, but it has a knock-on effect on others. And I think again there are there's ongoing lessons for us in this that we're looking at this evening. Now, thankfully, uh, church discipline, church restorative work like this is, is, a, is a rare thing. But, but where it does happen, and it happens sometimes in churches, it is a dangerous time. It, it, the sensitive issues, they're the fraught matters. We, we need to be on our guard and so careful how we all conduct ourselves surrounding it, especially if we've got relatives or friends who are involved with the situation, but even if we're not in that sort of church discipline situation as they were here, there's a whole range of things that this is relevant to. There are always, there are now ongoing delicate issues between different believers here and um, Satan is on the lookout. And he's keen to sow relationship problems. He's keen to put a wedge in. He's keen to sort of fan the flames of agitation and bitterness and love of forgiveness, uh, a lack of forgiveness. He's keen keen to divide. He wants to kindle up the fires. Let's get them overreacting. Let's get them assuming bad motives. Let's get them feeling badly treated and we're all prone to these things and it, it, it needs a lot of prayer, it needs a lot of humility, it needs a, a lot of wisdom, it needs a lot of gospel love to keep them from flaring up, from not letting them become roadblocks because they, they become roadblocks in the progress of the gospel. I remember a former leader here saying more, more than once to me, um, peace is good for the gospel. You know, I mean, peace between Christians, peace in the, the life of the church, peace is good for the gospel. It's a good saying. And when you haven't got peace, it's bad for the gospel. It's a roadblock for the progress of the gospel and the church. Everyone gets distracted by these bickering, these thoughts, people are taking sides. It says in Ephesians 4, um, just to back up this point, verse 26 be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Interesting what it says after that. And give no opportunity to the devil. Or don't let the devil get a foothold. And do you realise that the devil is looking for handles into forest fold? He's looking for footholds. He's looking for ways to get in, to stir up, to disrupt He's a roaring lion seeking who he may devour according to 1 Peter chapter 5. And so we're told, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. So attitude to the sorry troublemaker, attitude between believers, really, we can apply it today. I just bring it to a close now. Uh, it seems to me Croydon has been a place of, of traffic lights. I don't have to do much travelling around. I, I would hate to be on, on some of the school runs at the minute. You know, I've got traffic lights up Broadway. You've got traffic lights at the top of London Road. You've got traffic lights is it, down at Whitehall Road. Traffic lights, traffic lights, snarling up the traffic stopping progress, giving delays. Some of them are disappearing. The traffic is starting to go through. Well hopefully here at Corinth what was presented to them is clearing away some of the roadblocks. The traffic lights are packed up and out of the way and things are going. Attitude to the Gospel Apostle, which would have been so dangerous, is mended attitude between other believers, which could be so difficult, is smoothed. And maybe as we've been looking at this evening, I think this has been quite insightful. I've found it so, as I've understood it more this week. This is speaking into issues we don't always think about and hear about. And maybe the Lord has been speaking to us in our lives and in our church life. And maybe there's some roadblocks to progress which will start to be dismantled and healed and eased up as a result of God's word from 2 Corinthians 1 and 2 this evening. There's some things to think about here, isn't there? Let's have a minute or so to pray personally before I pray. Oh Lord, we're thankful where out of your kindness we have had influences on us who were sincere, had a good conscience, were faithful like you are, were loving and wise and who had so much of Jesus about them. Or to the extent that we are influences on others, help us to be people of good conscience, faithful, uh, wise, loving and full of Christ. It will keep us from having unfair attitudes towards others who teach us which acts as such a noise and really stops us from benefiting from your word as it's passed on through them. Well, we know relationships uh, can be very delicate. We know that Satan looks to get into relationships and stir them up. We know that he can use us as we overreact, misunderstand, have bad attitudes in our heart. We pray to learn from what we've dipped into this evening and it might encourage peace and love, a forgiving spirit, a real gospel flavour to our relationships in this church and for others in other churches, their relationship in their church. And we pray all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.